we continue with our series in the river where God is moving. Remember, what that means is that we use the illustration of a river flowing here because God's activity is always going on in this, in this world. And he invites us to get involved in his activity. And the way that we get involved in his activity is we got to get down here in the river where God is moving. The river represents this, living in the middle of God's will by the power of God. You can't live in God's will without his power for the purposes of God. You got it? Living in the will of God by the power of God for the purposes of God. This is not just here to make you feel good or have these religious experiences. Woo-hoo, glory, 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 hallelujah. This is to carry out the will of God in, in your life. And it comes from a verse we said that Jesus said, He who believes in me, that is, who saved, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. It's amazing when you look throughout the scripture how God uses the idea of a river. Matter of fact, uh, the Bible talks about in heaven there'll be a river that runs through it. So um, it's interesting to, to see that. And we've given you ten reasons why should I even be concerned about being here in this river? Why should I be concerned? And teenagers, listen to this. Focus. <laughs> this is why you need to live in this river, okay? It's a river of power. I live by God's power when I'm here. It's a river of peace because God's just, we're going to have peace like a river. And it doesn't matter what happens in our lives. doesn't matter if something uh, hits us. You know, the Bible says the righteous will not be shaken. And then it's a river of purpose because I'm going to feel so fulfilled as I begin living here because now I'm cooperating with God, carrying out the purposes of God in my life. And it's a river of prosperity, not the prosperity gospel that we see on TBN, but God's going to prosper our soul, the Bible says. He can prosper our family. He can prosper um, the way that we do ministry from God. In every way, God's going to bless us. That's a good way to say it. This is a river of blessings. Um, then today, we're going to talk about a river of provision. Anybody hurting financially? You don't have to raise your hand, but anybody hurting financially right now? Anybody struggling always financially? Anybody have a need right now that may not work out in your checkbook? Or you've got some other kind of need, not just necessarily a uh, financial need, but we're kind of focusing on the idea of a financial need here. And so what I'm going to do is this. Let me... Uh, uh, hold on just a moment. I've got to put this laptop. I'm borrowing my wife's iPad, and I've got to put the settings on so it doesn't cut off every 30 seconds because it goes black. The screen goes black, and we will not get a sermon here today if I do that. So let me find out where is the display in brightness, and then we'll do auto lock after 10 minutes. There we go. Okay, there we go. Let me open up my books again. All right, so... Uh, I want to start off in, in, in the thick of this message by a guy named Elijah. Have you ever heard the phrase, people say this, where God guides, he provides? You ever heard that phrase? That's kind of one of those common sayings. Where God guides, he provides. 
If, if I were to preach about Elijah, that's what I would title the sermon about his life, where God guides, he provides in this passage. Now, there's old Elijah. He was a great prophet in the Old Testament. Uh, God used him to do many mighty miracles and preach great sermons boldly to the people of his day. And uh, uh, you see the picture there because it goes along with this story. Now, look what it says right here. The word of the Lord came to him, that is, Elijah, saying, Go away from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. So there, there he is in that picture. Someone depicted it of him by a brook. He said, It shall be that you will drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to provide for you there. Do y'all remember I preached a sermon about this, one kind of called There is the Best Place to Be. Can I use that as a synonym? There <laughs> is the best place to be. Because God said, I'm not going to provide for you up here when you're not in the river. I may provide for you a little bit here with your toes in the water, but this is where I'll really start opening up the windows of heaven and provide for your every single need. Do you understand this? That God has, God has promised that if you live in the river where God's moving, God will provide for your needs. Now look, look what he says here. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, and he went and lived by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. He got cheeseburgers from the, uh, hamburgers from the ravens. Bread and meat, is that not cheeseburger? Or it's a, I don't know, it's a Philly cheesesteak, Peyton, right? Isn't that what you like? Or uh, I forgot what, what he likes to eat over there at Calabama. And it says, and he would drink from the brook. Uh, now watch this. But then that brook dries up, and God sends him to another place of provision. It happened to be at a widow's house. It happened after a while, the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, Arise and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and stay, key word, there, in the middle of where God told him to go, in the middle of the river. Behold, I've commanded a widow there to provide for you. Now, if I were God, I would say, I've permanded, uh, I have uh, commanded you to go to a rich man's house because he's going to provide for you there. Okay? Matter of fact, we were, we were talking about generosity last night, and uh, they, uh, I shared some illustrations about some people who have been very generous in the past and how God used to provide my needs, and Peyton, Peyton said, I love rich, generous people. <laughs> So, anyway, now, if I were God, I would send Elijah to a rich person's house. But what does he do? He sends it to probably one of the poorest widows who was, listen to this, who was on her last meal. She even told Elijah, if I provide this if I give you this meal, my son and I will die. And you know what Elijah said? Trust me. Trust God. He sent me here for you to provide for me. And you, if you will provide for me, God will provide for you. And that's what happened. Every day 
that widow would make her last cake and give it to Elijah first, he'd eat of it, and there was always enough left over until she stored up a bunch of jars and was able to sell it and pay off all her debts and, and really come out in the clear. But it wouldn't happen if she wouldn't have trusted God even with her last penny to be obedient to God to give. You see, uh, God has promised to provide for us. That lady, Elijah, was in the river where God was moving, and that lady had to get in the river where God was moving and obey the word of the Lord. Now, there's a fellow named George Mueller. He was a famous uh, fellow in church history. He lived from 1805 to 1898. And uh, he's, uh, like I said, if you read church history, you're going to come across a man by the name of George Mueller. And if there was one word to put on Mueller's gravestone, he had, you would put this. I would put it. I don't know what they have on his gravestone. He had faith for God to provide. That's what I'd put. He had huge faith for God to provide. Let me tell you a little story about him. The man was a heathen in his early life. By the age of 10, he had already started embezzling government money from his father. He was a hoodlum. He was a sneak. He was a cheat. Um, he even had to spend time in jail at the age of 16 for failing to pay his, pay his bills. Um, but after his... And he continued to live like a heathen until after his until college, and during his college days, God got a hold of him. The burden of his sins overcame him, and he trusted Christ as his Savior. As soon as he got saved, he felt really called strongly to go into the ministry, and he became a very famous evangelist and did all this mission work. Um, he, uh, when he was 25, he moved to Taneth, or Tainmouth, England, with his wife, Mary, to start pastoring a small church. Listen to this. Now, God called him to a special thing. He gave up the small salary he was offered when it was discovered it was paid through the rental of church pews. Back then, listen to this, you had to rent your pew. Could you imagine that? You might have to do that. Start renting your pew. No, no seriously, really what that's called is being a tither. <laughs> But anyway, um, the, uh, so, so here's, here's the deal. When he found out the people rented their pews in order to pay him, he's, he said, I'm not going to do that. He felt especially called uh, to do that. And uh, I'm going to read the rest of this, this story. He said, from that time on, he resolved to live totally by faith for his income. Mueller moved, I'm going to read this one, listen to this. Mueller moved in 1832 to Bristol, England to be the pastor of another church. There his famous work, this is what he's known for in church history, began with orphans when two children were thrown upon the church's care. Mueller had only two shillings to his name. Remember the widow? He only had two shillings to his name when he began the orphanage work. But over the next 60 years, God sent more than $7.5 million. That was in the 1800s. That would be $70 million at least. 
if not 200 million in today's money, to supply the needs of all the orphans he adopted. Started that. New buildings were built or purchased, staff were hired, and the hundreds of children never missed a meal. You know, sometimes we think about providing for our kids on Wednesdays. What are we going to do? You know, we really want to meet these kids. We've got to provide them a meal. How, are we gonna do, how can we afford that? And here's a guy who fed hundreds of students over 60, hundreds of orphans over 60 years, and they never missed one meal. And he never asked people for money either. New, uh, let's see here. Mueller resolved never to tell anyone what his needs were. He told, them, he told them to God and confidently expected them to be met. During his life, Mueller started 117 schools which ed- educated over 120,000 young people and orphans. The Bethesda pa- uh, chapter, ch- excuse me, chapel which he pastored in Bristol had some 2,000 members at his death. Spurgeon said, of flowers of speech he has none, and we hardly think he cares for them, but of the bread of heaven he has abundance. And so here's a guy that God called him to a specific ministry to care for orphans, and a pastor, listen, a little church that grew into a mega church, believe it or not, in that day, 2,000 members, and God specifically put it on his heart, don't ask any money, any time, anybody, because I think God wanted to get glory f- from him that he just trusted God alone to provide. And like I said, in today's money, that would be over $200 million of money came in. One of my favorite stories about Mueller one time was they woke up one time. I mean, the, the kids were at breakfast. And there was nothing to eat. And there's like a hundred and something kids there, hundred orphans. Nothing to eat. And the kids are like, what are we going to do? And Mueller just said, because he had such great faith, he said this, my children, do not worry, God will provide. When he said that, he heard a car crash outside, went outside, and uh, there was uh, a, a guy who was selling milk, and he said, I can't, I can't let the, my truck sit here all day. This milk will spoil. Do you think y'all could use some milk? You know, so they brought this milk in, and somehow uh, this story just came to my mind. And somehow later on, not a wreck, but something happened where a guy with a bread truck came by and said, I've got all this leftover bread, would y'all like to have it? And so this was a man who trusted God, who, listen to this, was standing on the promises of God, and God provided. Now, let me show you uh, five quick things today. Five ways God provides when we are in the river where God is moving. See, I mean, this is just another motivation for us to get in the river because God hasn't promised to provide for us here. God's promised to provide for us here. So I'm going to give you five reasons, five ways God provides when we're in the river where God uh, is moving. First of all, God provides in His time. God provides in His time. Well, you know, this happened on a perfect Sunday, did it not? I didn't engineer this. But guess what we had to do last night? Set our clocks back, right? 
Get a little hour of sleep. I wish they'd just leave it one way. I wish they'd leave it the other way. For some reason, my body works better on that. But God provides in his time. Um, <laughs> remember that song by Simon and Garfunkel? Someone took it and said, uh, Hello, darkness, my old friend. Here you come at 4 p.m. You know, so uh, here we are. But God has a clock. I, I, I watch this clock. I watch that clock, believe it or not. But God has a clock. And when God provides, He provides in His perfect time, not when you think you need it. See, if I were God, I would have provided the night before for those kids at the orphanage. I mean, God wanted them to see the glory of God with an empty table. Sometimes you may have an empty table and not wondering what in the world is going to happen. Listen, God's time is different than your time. If you don't understand that, then you'll be frustrated. You'll be saying, well, I'm in the river where God's moving and He hadn't come through yet and i got bills to do and i got stuff like that. But it comes in His time. God provides in His time. Let me give you some examples how God has a schedule and has a clock and a time. Ecclesiastes 3.1 There is an appointed time for everything. You hear that? There is an appointed time for everything. And there is a time for every event under heaven. And then it goes on to say this in verse 11. He has made everything beautiful in its time, not your time, in His time. Listen to another verse on God's timing. Psalm 37, verse 34. Wait for the Lord and keep His way and He will exalt you to inherit the land. That just means this, you'll get what's coming to you in a good sense if you wait on God, keep His way, and He will give you what you need in His time. Listen to 1 Peter 5 verse 6. Um, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that He may lift you up at the proper time. God provides on His time schedule, not ours, and many times... I'm telling you, he will be slow to our minds. Many times it's almost seems he's gone past the point of when it should have come in. But he provides in his perfect time. Many times it may come at the very midnight hour. Listen, God will provide for this church. We may be like the widow right now, with just a little bit of oil in the bank, <laughs> okay? But you know what? We're not broke. God's providing for us. And in His time, He will give us what we need, but you know what He wants us to do? And I'm speaking to all of us, not just our finance committee. I'm speaking to all of us, including myself. Listen, God will always put us in a position of faith to trust Him, to stand on the promises that if this church gets in the center of doing what God wants us to do, it is His responsibility, His promise, that He will provide for us. God provides in His time. Um, by the way, the word, He says He makes all things beautiful in His times. 
it means, the word beautiful there means it's appropriate. When it happens, you're like, that was perfect timing, God. Didn't seem like perfect timing at the time. I was worried about it. I was stressed out. But when it comes through, it's like God goes, checkmate, beautiful time. God provides in his time. Here's another thing about how God provides when we're in the river where God moves. God provides in his ways. Don't ever think you've got it figured out. Well, I tell you what, I think God's going to do this. I'm going I'm to sell that barn and I'm going to make just enough money to make all this. Kind. I mean, don't try to figure out his ways. Because listen to what the Bible says in Isaiah 55, verses 8 through 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as high as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Let me read that in a different translation. My thoughts are completely different from yours, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Don't ever try to predetermine how God's going to answer His prayer for provision. His ways are not your ways. I've noticed one thing since I'm about to go on another mission trip that God has always provided different ways for each mission trip. There's hardly been a mission trip where He did not provide in a very unique way. I have never worried about, and Simeon knows this, I have never worried about God providing for me to go on a mission trip. It always happens. God just does it. I never know how he's going to do it, but I just say, God, I trust you because if you called me into an activity with you to go on a mission trip, then you will miraculously provide, and he has provided every time. And I've always had, listen to this, more than enough. I hope to write a book one day. I kid you not. I, God's put a book on my heart. I want to write it. And uh, it's about, uh, I did it as a sermon here, and it'll, it, I think I can write it in a small little book that could probably be read in an hour. But I want to call it The Clearing Up the Doubts About Your Salvation. Ten reasons people, why people doubt their salvation. Ten evidences of genuine salvation. And uh, I've already uh, talked to some men about it who've looked at it and said, man, this is great material. You need to write a book on this stuff. So I'm going to write it one day. You know what my hope is? My hope is that that can be used in a lot of churches. And I've got contacts with men who pastor large churches as a way to help people at the altar time if they're struggling with doubts about their salvation, to give them a little book that will help them. Okay? I would love it if God so blessed that book. And I want 100% of it, listen to this, to go to help me to train pastors overseas. That's, that's one of the callings on my life. But you know what? It doesn't matter if God provides that way or other ways. God will always provide. Hey, I've been, remember Pastor Vito who was here recently on a Wednesday night and he founded a Bible college over there in, uh, in India uh, started off with nothing, and like a George Mueller, Mueller, he's planted some hundred and something churches. He's built buildings, and he had nothing when he started over there. And uh, I felt like a few weeks ago when I met him at the Calabama restaurant, his, his brother-in-law, Shannon, pastors at um, Sydney Baptist Church. And I felt like when I met him that this was a divine appointment that I met him. 
Not just to have him come preach for us on a Wednesday night, but when I, I didn't know anything about him other than that he was like a pastor in India. But I've been praying for God to open up a door for me to go on a mission trip. And I had a heart. I've always had kind of a heart. I wanted to go to India. And so uh, he, we visited the other week, and he said, I really want you to come teach pastors and students at my school. Now, this is what's laughable to me, and I can't wait to tell some of my seminary professors like that. You do realize I struggled to get through school. I was a B.C. student, and when I hit Hebrew, I was a D student, okay? But what, what do they say? D's will still get you degrees, amen? So, anyway, I was able to escape through that somehow, and he said, uh, you know, I thought he wanted me to teach college students. He said, no, I want you to teach the master's level on doctoral. I said, do you realize how I struggled to get through school? He said, no, I really want you to teach these guys. So here I am, a simpleton, going up there. But you know what? I don't have any money for it. I'm not asking any of you for a dime of it, okay? I want to make that clear. I don't have any, any money to go, but you know what? I'm not worried one bit because God told me to go. And where God guides, he will provide. And so he guides by his ways. So don't try to figure it out. Number three, God provides according to his riches. Well, this is good. According not to your riches, according to his riches. How rich is God? He makes Bezos look like a flea. Do you know that Jeffrey Bezos, who founded Amazon, makes $70,000, are you ready for this? $70,000 per minute. It may, it may have been per second. I should have went back and checked that because I don't have that in my notes. It just hit me. It's either a second or a minute. That means in, in, in two minutes, let's just say it's minutes, he can pay for your house. <laughs> That's amazing. Listen, God has infinite riches. Bezos is a pauper compared to God. And so whenever we go to God and say, God, I have a need, look who you're asking to give you a need. It's God who owns everything, who's infinitely rich. I mean, to go to God would... Uh, to ask him to provide for you would be like going to uh, the ocean with a tiny little thimble and said, God, I have a lot of needs, and God looks at your knees like a little thimble, and you've got the ocean out there. God provides according to his riches. Here's some verses on that. Of course, the greatest verse on that is Philippians 4.19. And my God will, who does it? My God will supply all your needs, how? According to his riches in glory, in Christ Jesus. Listen to uh, Psalm 50, verse 10 and 12, what God says. For all the animals of the forest are mine, and I own the cattle on a thousand hills. If I were hungry, I would not mention it to you, for all the world is mine and everything in it. Let me tell you why, because here's what a lot of Christians do. Man, it's a bad economy. Inflation's going up. I just can't give like I used to give. Man, I don't know how we're going to meet the bills. The... The economy is just going down the tank. Inflation's going up like crazy. I don't know how we're going to make it. Listen, you go to a God who has everything where inflation doesn't bother him one bit. I don't give according to the U.S. economy. 
I don't trust God to meet my needs according to the U.S. economy or my checkbook. I trust God according to His riches. There are times when things come up that are, uh, you know, maybe not the Lottie Moon or the Annie Armstrong, but something comes up. Recently, uh, something came up with the uh, the state missions uh, offering. It wasn't in our budget, but you know what? We gave anyway, and God provides. He provides according to his riches. Abraham one time, even though he was a great man of faith, he decided to make a move because Canaan, where he was, where God led him, started to experience a famine. They had a financial crisis in Canaan because no food, famine affected their economy. And you know what Abraham decided to do? Well, shoot, the economy's bad here. Let's move to another country. So he went down to Egypt, and guess what? He almost was killed by the Pharaoh back then because he did not believe that God could provide for him in a famine. God can provide whether there's a feast in the economy or a famine in the economy because God provides according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Now, here's the fourth thing. God provides, listen to this, subject to our obedience. You're not obedient until you're in the river where God moves. He provides subject to our obedience. Uh, I wrote that statement down again. When God guides, He provides, but He provides for His obedient children. There are a lot of Christians who are lacking God's provision because they've not met God's conditions. God's provisions is intricately woven into God's Conditions. Listen to what 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says this. These are some of the conditions to getting God's provisions. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. Remember this, the farmer who plants a few seeds will have a very small harvest. But the farmer who plants because he has received God's blessings will receive a harvest of God's blessings in return. So what he's, he's using the illustration of a farmer in money. He says if you plant a little bit of money in the ground toward God's kingdom, you're going to get a little bit of blessing back. But if you plant a lot of sacrificial, obedient money by faith in the kingdom of God, then God will bless you and provide for you. If you're lean on your provisions, many times it's because you're lean on your obedience to God. And I, don't, I want to make very clear, I'm not saying if you give that you're going to become rich because most of us never will be. But I will say this, if you are obedient, you may be like that little widow, widow woman who didn't know how she was going to make the next meal the next day, but God provided every single time. That's what I'm talking about right here. I like that verse that talks about God don't give me enough rich... God, give me enough where I don't have to beg and steal, but don't give me too much to where I got so many riches I forget you. Uh, that's a good, so God, give me, make me a middle class person. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if that's what that means or not, but God, uh, uh, give me enough. And by the way, even our poor people here are rich compared to most people in the world. Some people overseas live off the equivalent of $1,000 a year in American money. We're rich compared to most of this world. Even those of us who are super tight on money, we're rich. 
Remember what Malachi said in Malachi 3.10 about bring your whole tithe, that is the whole tenth of your income, into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. The only time I know of where God says, hey, take a test. Take a test. Why don't you try to start tithing and watch how God will provide for you? That's what he says right here. You see, it's conditioned upon our obedience. I like this. I always think of a potato chip bag when I think of this verse. Luke 6, 38. If you give, you'll receive. Your gift will return in full measure. Watch this. Paper chip bag. Pressed down, shaken together to make room for more and running over. How many of you have ever bought a $3 potato chip bag at like a... Subway or something like that, you get it and you open it up and it's like, the wind blows back because you realize half of that thing is filled with air. Listen how God will provide for you. God will say, I got the potato chip bag of my provision uh, and I'm going to shake it down to where it all goes down to the bottom. I'm going to pour so much, I'm going to cram pack it in there, my blessings, until it's spilling over. God provides subject to our obedience, but we've got to give and it will be given unto you. Then, uh, this is something God spoke, me, spoke to me about, about obedient to His conditions. There have been times, I kid you not, I used to listen to my sermons a lot more. Every, every now and then I'd pull out a sermon. The reason I did is because I wanted to hear my voice inflections. I, I wanted to hear the way that I spoke so I could improve my preaching. And sometimes I'd feel discouraged about a sermon and I'd think, boy, that was like flat coke. That was a gun that just went and the bullet fell down, you know. Uh, Robert, you ever felt that way teaching sometimes? You're like, gosh, that was an awful lesson. You know, so sometimes I go back and listen and then I go back and listen and I say, well, that wasn't that bad. <laughs> it kind of encouraged me. But there are times I can go back to a sermon I preached 20 years ago and listen to it and get convicted by my own sermon. You know why? Because it's God's Word, not me. I was reading, you know, uh, my mom a lot of times said, boy, you sure did step on my toes or something. I'm like, man, I'm telling you because mine are still throbbing as I prepared for this, okay? God usually speaking to me and teaching me so I can just teach y'all what God already taught me. You do understand that. And I'm telling you one thing, God, God convicted me me up. Now listen to this. You talk about a fresh conviction. This morning, God convicted me of this. I'm a very impulsive person. That's just the way I've always been wired. You know, I'm like Peter. I'm, I'm the first one to volunteer to jump out of the boat. Okay? I really am. I'm the guy who in the garden where the, the soldiers come to arrest Jesus, and I'm the guy who quickly draw, draws a sword. Nobody else is doing nothing. I'll draw a sword, and I'll try to cut off the, high, I mean, the soldier's ear. And in, in some ways that can be good because I'm not afraid to step out and do some things, but in some ways that can be bad. And God really convicted me this morning about practicing good biblical stewardship. You see, there are some people who are always hurting for money and always asking the church for money, which we are more than glad to do. There are some people who are in genuine need. 
But there are some people that we provide for sometimes. You go to their house and they got four or five dogs and they're smoking cigarettes. And some of them, I mean, not necessarily our members, um, probably sometimes, but they also got a 24-pack of Bud Light in their refrigerator too and they're always asking for money. You know, I, f I figured out, I was thinking about somebody the other day uh, about uh, they both smoke cigarettes, they both drink beer, um, they both have animals and stuff like that. If they would cut those three things out, they would have a virtual house payment. And listen, God has not provided, God says He's going to provide for us, but at the same time, we can't be wasteful. We've got to be careful with our money. It's not that we have to be stingy. It's not God provides, the Bible says, all things freely for us to enjoy. But we've got to be practicing good stewardship with it as well. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And all these things will be added unto you. Do not worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink. God provides for the, the widow, I mean the flowers in the field. They're, they're crowned with His glory. If God cares about little flowers in the field, will He not care for you? But He says, seek first the kingdom of God. Put Him number one in your eye. And all these things that you need will be provided for you in His time. And listen, listen to this. In his time, and like the widow, sometimes step by step, he'll provide for you. And you've got to learn not to worry. Here's the final reason. God provides ultimately more than anything else for his glory. He wants to get the glory. He wants to get the glory through your life because when you give, even in a famine, even with inflation, even when it doesn't make sense in your checkbook, when you give to Him and all of a sudden He comes back and provides for you, you know what, he, you, you know what you're going to do? You're going to go, hallelujah, I saw God work. It gives Him glory. And you know what you want to do? At testimony time in your Bible study, somebody, I got to tell you what God did this week. Well, we had to have this and, and, and we didn't have the money. And God provided for us. When I was going off to uh, Columbia Bible College back in the day, this is early 80s, it was a private school. It was not a state-sponsored school. I had no scholarship. It was going to be a real stretch for my parents. And uh, I was asking them, well, how, how are we doing getting the money together for this first quarter? And they said, we're lacking $700 for your first quarter. It wasn't a day afterwards. I went over to my preacher's house. He was a senior adult at the time. Not that, that made any difference, but he was a senior adult. His wife was a senior adult. And, and uh, Preacher Hatfield was asking, you know, how's it coming with your, you know, everything? I said, well, we're, we're just, uh, you know, we're really uh, uh, believing God sent me there. And I didn't tell him how much money we needed. We needed $700. And Ginger, his wife, said, hey, I want to give you something. My sister just gave this to me. It was a little package. Her sister in Texas, she knew nothing about this. She goes, my sister gave this to me and said, just give it to a young ministerial student who might need some help. I opened up that envelope. One, 100, 200, 300, 400, 500, 600, 
700 on the nose. You know why he did that? He wanted to meet my need and teach me I could trust him. But you know why also he gave that to me? So I could share that illustration and give him glory. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Has God spoken to you? See, he'll provide for you in feast or famine. But you've got to be in the river where he's moving. You've got to be obedient to him and trust him, even though it may not work out on paper. Matter of fact, most of the time it ain't going to work out on paper. You know why? Because he wants you to trust him and not your checkbook. And why am I harping on, on giving here? Because, listen, God said there's conditions to this. If you give, God said, it will be given unto you. And one of my favorite quotes on generosity is this. You don't have to be rich to be generous. You just need to be generous to be generous. So are you a generous person? Are you a trusting person? Are you trusting God that He is your Jehovah Jireh? He is your provider? Are you not worrying about it? Are you just laying it in His lap and say, Lord Jesus, I don't know, I'm going to pay my bills tomorrow, but just like that widow woman, you'll provide for me in Elijah. Now with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, you know what the greatest provision God ever gave? He bought your salvation. He purchased your salvation through His own death and blood on the cross. And the cool thing is this. He offers it free. For the wages of sin is death, Romans 6.23. The wages of sin is death, eternal death, hell. But the free gift of God is eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so have you received that gift? How do you receive a gift? You just say, Lord, thank you. I don't earn it. I don't deserve it. I just take it from you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I receive your salvation. Some of you may need to do that. I don't know. But more than likely, there's at least one person here that has never done that. And would you receive that gift of eternal life this morning? Secondly, God's spoken to you about there are many reasons to get in that river, but maybe it, God spoke to you about how you've got to meet His conditions for those provisions. You've got to get in the river where God is moving and obey Him in every way, including in the area of your finances. Then perhaps God has spoken to you. He has provided for you a church, a church family. And He's saying, here it is. Here's your church. Would you be willing to receive that and say, I want to become a part of this church family? And Father, with every head bowed, I mean, Father, we ask all these things as you're our provider. In Jesus' name, amen.